Welcome to Do That Well. I'm your host, Brenda Brown, and with me, executive coach Karen Thrall. Today on Do That Well, we're going to continue our conversation around the three different leadership types Karen has identified through her work as an executive coach. To remind you, those leadership types are the conqueror, who is the leader of vision, the champion, who is the leader of accomplishment, and the chieftain, who is the leader of people. Last week, we discussed how these three different types can be the most effective version of themselves as leaders, how they can be inspirational to those around them. We just started to touch on some of their weaknesses and where they can improve so that they can find the most success in their leadership. Today, I want us to focus more on communication with these leadership types, If you've been listening along with our podcast, you know that communication is something that is so important to Karen and I in the workplace, in life. It's such an essential part of being able to find community and companionship, and it's something that we kind of geek out about. So today we're bringing it to this conversation around (laughs) leaders. Karen, last week I brought up that it seems conquerors and champions tend to have a bit of opposition that might sometimes create some discourse between the two. And I think all of the leadership types do have pain points with the others, but it is so great because it is such a learning opportunity for them. And that's where we can find those places where we can really improve communication with each other. I want us to start here and where those points are with all three of them, the things that they might not love about each other and how we can embrace that within ourselves. That's so good. Um, my goal is I find that if those three leaders unite they're unstoppable they can move mountains and i don't want them to fully have the same principles in common i want them to be different and then to respect those differences so that they can fill all the gaps but because of the differences it does create conflict because it's annoying if you're in crunch time or there's high stress, uh, there's just a frustration that takes place between them because they don't make sense on how they are conducting themselves as leaders doesn't make sense to each other. Sometimes the conqueror, people will misunderstand the conqueror and feel like, oh, sure, you have all the ideas, but then you put it on my plate to do. You throw it on my desk. Oh, you've got this and you're, you're insensitive to the workload I have. And that, of course, is not the intention of the conqueror. They just get so swept up in the vision, they forget that there's people behind that vision who are going to be sweating it to make it happen. So they overlook the people sometimes because of the vision. We'll be Mm -hmm. fine. And it's not uncommon for a conqueror leader vision to go, don't worry about it, we'll figure it out. So they'll have this, it seems relaxed. And so that also causes their teammates sometimes to get offended Another thing for conquerors to be mindful of is they'll change their idea a lot. So they they have short-term ideas. And once it gets implemented or once it starts, they're moving on to the next. So they're about three years ahead of everybody else or two years or tomorrow. And they look like they're disinterested, but they've moved on to the next. And in their mind, it's in good hands. So let me keep dreaming so that we have a vision and we can keep pursuing these impossible 
moments. So they come across like they're, they get disinterested quickly. Uh, another thing with conquerors is they don't enjoy managing the day-to-day. So they're build, they like to build something, but that day-to-day management is tiresome for them and they just don't have that interest and passion. So they get bored. Those are some areas where the conquerors might create conflict. And I'm sure that a lot of the time they don't even realize they are. And I'm wondering, what about chieftains? What areas do maybe they need to develop? Yes, the lovely chieftains. Okay, the chieftains, I'm going to go, the the number one thing that I hear regularly from a chieftain is it's difficult for them to say no when someone asks them to do something. Their mind goes, technically, I'm capable of doing this. So technically, I, I should say yes. And that's, that's not necessarily the case. And so they'll, they'll take on too much. And sometimes they spread themselves too thin. Um, they will not show you that they're tired. They, they, they hide that from everybody. But as soon as nobody's watching, they're going to go. And they'll really feel the tiredness. But there is no way that they will show that to anybody. Um, so what I would say to a chieftain is learning how to say no, learning how to put up boundaries, uh, learning how to have limits on what you can do, even though, yes, it's true, you are capable of doing it. And yes, it's true, you could do it in two minutes. So very much with chieftains as they get pulled in too many directions. And it is not uncommon when I'm coaching uh, chieftains to go, okay, we got you got to learn how to, to say no. So that would be one of them. The second one, which we did talk about in the earlier episode, is out of all the leaders, they have a really difficult time self-promoting. That doesn't make sense to them because you will know my excellence by the work I deliver. And we give credit where credit's due. We recognize people's talent and we we applaud them in that. That's how they that's how they lead, but that's not necessarily how the business culture runs. So the second thing I would say to chieftains is growing that muscle of like self-promoting yourself and not shrinking back or not being apprehensive to um, voice the success that you're doing. Um, another one I would say, and this one, okay, this one cracks me up and I'll give you a story where I was running uh, this workshop and there was probably seven chieftains sitting around a table and I leaned into them. I go, you know, you guys are kind of judgmental like this. And they all burst out <laughs> laughing. I said, it's so ironic because they're the most gracious, the most, they give the best counsel. But there is this other side of them, like, mm, I told you so. You know, you came to me, you asked me what you should do. I told you so. So it's not like they're walking around judging people. It's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they just have this, <laughs> this uh-huh thing, you know. So that would be another one. And uh picking on the chieftains. They're so lovely. And then the, another one where I would is, um, they don't believe it's okay to, to be upset. Um, A lot of them don't believe that that's appropriate is to get upset. So they'll get quiet and their quiet gets misunderstood. What they're trying to do is not be emotional. So they get really quiet, but doesn't matter if you're quiet or loud. It's still an energy of disappointment and nobody wants to disappoint a chieftain. It's just like, no, 
<laughs> but I would say is to learn not to do the quiet because it can come across cold sometimes. So that would be a little mm-hmm. bit about the chieftain. The first two, especially logically makes so much sense to me for them being the leader of people having those boundaries or lack thereof because they do want to give so much and there's so much about that camaraderie and that team building that Mm -hmm. I could see why it would be hard for a chieftain to say no or create boundaries so I really like that you specifically use that word okay so I hesitate to go here because I'm in this group but I need to know what my weaknesses are. (laughs) What about the champions? I think one of the common occurrences I've noticed is the soft skill. I think if there was anything I I were to tell a champion is to grow the muscle of having a great soft skill. So champions are excellent at the task, at the job at hand, completing the job, then celebrating once the job is completed. But that level of curiosity, the human warmth, like we're not just a task, that we're a group of people working together and to take moments and and just ask questions that have nothing to do with the task. You know, things that just create connection, finding things that you might have in common. So just these small tricks of the trade. And like I said, Previously, I have um, a leader that I work with, and she's just awesome. And I remember having to tell her to, like, say good morning to her team before she went to her desk. And she was like, really? (laughs) 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 Why? Like, I I don't get it. Yeah, go go around to your team one by one and wish them a good morning. And wow, like, she just, that was so did not even go on her grid. So she started doing it. And then she grew the muscle. And it's just very natural for her now. And she you see the results. So don't never underestimate the power of this small talk. Champions aren't necessarily small talk kind of people necessarily. Again, these are generalizations, but it's not uncommon for a champion. Okay, yeah, I can see your body language. (laughs) Go ahead, Brenda. (laughs) I just, yeah, I hate small talk. I'm not here for it. (laughs) And the other thing too with champions is adding a little bit of fluff to their email communication. Like everything is, I'm not, I don't need fluff. Like, cause they don't want it. They don't, they just get to the point. They they don't want all that extra stuff. Just uh, to them, an email that says, you know, Brenda, three o'clock boardroom, bring your document. Oh, best email in the world. Like that's all they want. You know, they don't want you to waste their time. They're very efficient. So that wasting time, and I don't want to paint them in a diff, in a negative way. I'm just saying this is a weakness. So I'm using a valuable time to walk around the room and talk to, talk to everybody. Karen, I got a job to do. I want to be efficient so I can get home to my family. (laughs) And so even the fluff in an email. So what gets, what happens, they get misunderstood as being a bit, maybe too curt, uh, too blunt, and uh, maybe not softening their words and being maybe overly direct. Another thing that um, is common for champions that they come across cynical a little bit in the sense of, "Mm, yeah, that won't work. And it's not that the cup's half empty at all. They are truly exploring the idea with you and they want the best solution, the best answer. So they get misunderstood as potentially being negative when they're realistic. You know, they go, but 
but it's it's not going to work. That's me showing you how much I care by I'm I'm just going to rip the bandaid off. Like why waste time talking about this? It's not going to work. Let's let's keep going. And so just maybe not ripping the bandaid off so quickly each time and you know learn when to do that or or even ask, "Hey, do you mind if I just rip the bandaid off here?" <laughs> or or something. So that would be another another thing with uh, champions. The other thing too with a champion where I've noticed it's common. Okay. So it's common when I'm coaching champions for this to come up. And that is, uh, I'm going back to that self-critic. There's almost a value on, they put on themselves that they will be valued more if they show up with excellence and that permission to make mistakes and to not be so hard on themselves that it's it's not as bad as they think. But I find champions can be really hard on themselves when they make a mistake. So that's another part that I go, it would be good for them to get comfortable with that 80%, you know, and, and also the expectation on their team. Like sometimes it's going to have to be 80% and oh boy, the champions is like, no, no, you know, they, so that's a, that's a muscle they have to grow because that doesn't make sense to them. You're asking me to lessen my standard that, why would I do that? So can you imagine? Well, you, I guess you can, (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't make, that's not, I can't imagine. Yes. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think you already mentioned this, but I think a great reminder for champions, as you were saying earlier is, our 80% might still be someone else's 110%. Mm-hmm. So remembering that even if you aren't hitting the standard that you're used to, you likely are still excelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not it's just not the same caliber that you're used to excelling at. Yeah. I had a, a leader that had the privilege of coaching and he said that um, <laughs> there was the company's way and they coined it and then there was his way. Like, so, oh yeah, well, that's the company's way, but then there's so-and-so's way. And it was actually like a procedure. It was like a standard that wasn't the company's standard. <laughs> so they always had oh to, my gosh. He, you know, he would raise the bar and it became part of the lingo, you know, no, but now, yeah, well, yes, that's oh. the company's way, but we're going to do it his way, which is an even higher standard. So, which technically is a huge compliment, you know, so it's, I was going to say, can I, I actually would really love that. Like if in (laughs) the company that I worked at, if like people started having this, oh, well, that's the Brenda way. I would be like, yeah, do it my way. It's it's great. hilarious. (laughs) That is hilarious because again, we talked about this last time too, but champions, they do because of all the research they put into something, they don't ever go half-hearted when they when they make a decision and they're committed to that decision. It's not half-hearted, and so their way is the best way in their mind. And so, for somebody to suggest something less than what they have in their mind, no. So, like I love that you're like, oh yeah, the Brenda way would be amazing. Like that's just. You know. <laughs> I love how somehow I've been able to take all of these weaknesses as a strength. Uh, so <laughs> it is true. So you're the only one. I'm sure the chieftains and the conquerors going. Why can't we be on that podcast? We want to defend ourselves too. You know. I know it's true. I'm. In a you're good lucky way. if you're a champion way. listening to this. But the chieftains and conquerors. I mean, 
think with all of these weaknesses, you can turn them into strengths. And it is just so important to be able to understand where we are not as strong because those are the areas that we want to focus on improving. It's good to still understand it, even if you secretly might think that it is a strength that you have. (laughs) And even like going into conversations saying, you know, you know, I've got this strength slash weakness. It's good for your, your teams to know that ahead of time. Definitely. And that actually leads us into the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Now that we've outlined these four weaknesses for the different leadership types, let's segue into buy-in and rapport. Karen, for the audience, why are we making a differentiation between buy-in and rapport? What are the differences between those two things and why do we feel it's so important to have both? So the the thought I, I have about that is both of them create an agreement together. So when you have good rapport and you have buy-in, you're going to have a very high level of agreement. And, you know, I was thinking about like Corey and I, in our relationship, we make sure that when we're going to make a decision that we're in agreement and we'll negotiate and we'll persuade and we will disagree, but because we won't move forward until we agree, we get to stay in the conversation until we both go, yep, this is a great, this is, this is a yes. Once we have the yes, we have a buy-in, but the whole time you get a buy-in, you want to have a really good rapport. So the way I describe um, a buy-in is uh, it's a willingness to actively support and participate. Okay. So that's, that's a buy-in. A rapport is harmony. There's, it's a harmonious relationship. There's good communication and you're understanding each other. The willingness. I really like that specific word calling that out in the definition of buy-in because it, yeah. Yeah. this isn't about coercing other people. It's not about trying to manipulate other people. It's that you want them to participate with you to create true buy-in. Going back to the weaknesses, the reason we outlined these is because we believe that you can use these weaknesses the knowledge of them and knowing how the different leadership types work and where they aren't as strong can help us to create that buy-in and rapport with your colleagues. Starting with the conqueror, we just outlined that the conqueror, they can be a bit dismissive at times. They have a tendency to overlook the details and only look at the big picture. They ebb and flow a lot, so their ideas can change very often, and they're quickly going on to the next bigger, better thing, (laughs) and sometimes they might not love the day-to-day management of things. Knowing this about the conqueror, how can we use this to try and create buy-in and rapport with conquerors? Mm -hmm. The first thing I would say to a, a conqueror is know that your mind and the way you come up with ideas is, is uniquely yours. So the other conquerors on your team will get it and they'll be super excited. And then you'll be like, see, they love it. But not everybody's wired to be in full ideation all the time. So you want to find out from your team, like when you go in with an exciting idea, you want to ask them, how many steps will it take us? Let's brainstorm. How many steps will it take us to get to see this idea come true? They're going to feel very heard and very valued and very uh, a part of the dream. Then once you have that, you go, great, here are the steps that we all believe we have to take to get to that dream. This is doable. So you never have to compromise your passion, but it's just letting them participate in, in the idea. 
I, I, and then you can say something like, I, I recognize that there's some sub ideas. And so these are probably seven, seven uh, goals in getting us to where we want to go. But I know there's probably 7,000 steps. And so I'm going to leave these ideas with you. And I want you as a team to come up with the sub steps that will get us there. So now they're participating and you're, you're understanding that there's a bigger timeline here than you might not be aware of. So I think with, with conquerors, it's recognizing, negotiating the time. That's number one. Number two, I would say for those of you who have conquerors as people you report to, um, there's so much passion in a conqueror that it's not urgent. So everything in a conqueror, when they're giving you their idea, it's going to sound urgent. It's going to sound like we can do this now. We can do this today. And don't be intimidated by that. That is them keeping the, the heartbeat alive. So when you're with, when you're with a conqueror, you just say, leave that with me. When do you need it by? Uh, do you need this by tomorrow? No, 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 not tomorrow. And then you can just negotiate when they need it by. This is the stuff that really builds rapport with a conqueror. But for conquerors, where I would say for conqueror, when it comes to ideas and timelines and movement and urgency, negotiate the time. You want it done yesterday. They want it done in a year. You're going to have to find that, that, that time where everybody gets to participate. I want to add one more suggestion to conquerors, and that is in managing the day-to-day. A lot of conquerors have a hard time, or they just don't enjoy the day-to-day management. They want to build things. They want to move things forward. What I would suggest to a conqueror is when you're talking with your team, ask them, get straight to the point. So I know what the conversation's about. Give me the bottom line. Give me the end result. Give me the desired outcome first before we even start talking, because that's going to get a conqueror excited to listen to the day-to-day stuff. So when you, if you report to a conqueror, make sure you go in with the desired outcome, the end result, the bottom line, and then state your conversation or you'll lose the conqueror. And the conqueror is the same with speaking to the conqueror. It's important that they stay engaged and and that knowing that you're not a a day-to-day manager type, you're going to thrive in those bottom line conversations and keep that really active in your team. And that's going to help you manage, enjoy managing the day-to-day details. Moving on to the chieftain. Uh, A moment ago, we discussed how the chieftains, they can struggle with saying no to things. They can also struggle with knowing how to be self-promoters because they tend to, you know, be a bit humble However, simultaneously, they can also be judgmental, which is so funny. It's not something that you expect from a chieftain because they are such lovers of people. And lastly, they do tend to hold things inside if they're upset. They don't want to disappoint people, so they will pretend that things are fine when they really aren't. Yeah. Yeah. So if chieftains can remember, you don't have to say yes immediately. Let me think on that. Let me look at my schedule. Look, let me look at my workload. So th- that give yourself the time to truly ask yourself an honest question. Do I want to say yes? Okay. So on the other things, like when it comes to um, the judgmental thing, you know, when you think about a chieftain, they have a natural wisdom. They're insightful. They're discerning. They have a high EQ. They're wise. They have good judgment. So 
when you go to them and you emotionally, you expand emotional energy with them and you're looking to them for guidance and they're investing and then you don't do anything about it. It's like you, they just drain their emotional tank to, to help you. And so it's disappointing. Okay. The thing that I strongly encourage chieftains to say to themselves, and this would tie in also um, when they are upset. So this would be if you're feeling yourself judging a colleague or if you're feeling upset with something that's going on at work, the best question for chieftains to ask themselves is why am I feeling disappointment? It is the best question for a chieftain. Where are you disappointed? Because they don't want to say they're upset. They don't want to say they're, um, they're angry. They don't want to, they don't want to be judgmental. They don't want to be frustrated with a colleague, but they do, they can identify with feeling disappointed. I feel disappointed that I did this. I feel disappointed that they said this. That is really important to, to a, a chieftain to really figure out what's going on in them when they start feeling that sense of judgment or when they're upset. Okay. Um, the part about self-promoting, okay, chieftains, it is part of the business culture to, to promote yourself. It is, and it would be a good thing for chieftains to learn how to do the best way for a chieftain to learn how to do this is to storytell. Okay. So it'd be like, so you're in a boardroom and you're talking, you go, Hey, I have a great story I want to share. Um, this week I reached out to 10 of our key clients and I just checked in on them. I want to know how they're doing. You know, you know, you guys know how I am about building relationship and connection with our clients. And sure enough, seven out of 10 of them have renewed their contract with us for another year. It was just fantastic. But what I wanted to tell you is they actually thanked the company for how much, how much they feel valued. And they want to say thank you and to let me know that they really enjoy working with the company. Isn't that great news? See how there's a self-promoting without promoting yourself, but you still have a voice that says, hey, guess what I did? And you, and you won't have to worry about coming across arrogant or lack of humility because that's important to chieftains. So that would be, that would be a few hows. Okay. Last but not least, our champions. <laughs> uh, the champions can have a tendency to lack some soft skills. They don't always love small talk, and they can come across as a bit cynical. However, they're also one of the biggest self-critics. Mm. You know, they, they're not just over here hating everyone. <laughs> they're hating on themselves, too. Sure. <laughs> I can tease the champion a little bit more since I am one. <laughs> okay. I, I was thinking about the champions and, and what I've noticed whenever I have the privilege of coaching champions, this happens time and time again, is when I get them into a memory where they're interacting with children or um, people that are elderly that need care, you can see a warmth come over them. That act of warmth is what the team needs. And I think where the champion gets maybe confused, or I don't know if confused is the right word, but maybe not understanding fully, like because they see the chieftain and they go, well, I can't do that. I don't even want to do that. There isn't a tremendous amount of warmth in acts of kindness, in expressing kindness through doing something. That's all a team needs. It's that I see you and I can do this act of kindness to show my warmth. 
The other thing I would say to champion, it is good to um, remember to add manners. It's not that they don't have manners. It's just please and thank you. And that's great. Thank you very much. And those little tiny things of manners. Can you get this to me by two o'clock? I'd appreciate that. Thank you. Like just, just throw in a manner type lingo and that's going to, that's going to communicate warmth. So that's what I would say just as tricks of the trade for champions is imagine the act of kindness you would do to somebody in need and they're all over it. Champions. That's a yes. And, and, and then one, one last thing on the, for the self-critic part, what I would suggest to a champion is just recognize you have a self-critic in you. So if you, if you get two wrong and, but there's 98, right. Let the team know I'm looking at the two wrong. Give me an hour and I'll celebrate the 98 that we did. Right. I just love making a hundred. So yes, I'm focusing on the two wrong, but give me an hour and then that I'll be fine. And then I'll be right there with you celebrating the 98. Just let, let the team know, you know, and for the people who report to champions, it's not personal. So when they go into a critical mode, they are not attacking you at all. They always want a hundred. They really love the hundred. <laughs> Great. So that would be a suggestion for that. All right. Today we went over some weaknesses for these three types and how you can use the different weaknesses to create buy-in and rapport. Thank you for joining us in this third installment of our Do Being Leader Well series. And we will see you next week when we talk about what it's like if you aren't a leader, as well as how to unearth your leadership potential that might be hiding within you. We'll see you there. <laughs>